I'm looking at my face more. I'm looking at myself more. I'm looking at all of it. I've had instances where I can't pick myself out of a picture. Are you going to make me feel bad that I can't accept my body? We get to make the decision to change because we love ourselves or change because we hate ourselves. You found body pride, which feels like it's on its way to body love. Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki. And I'm Louise. Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Please be aware that today's episode may contain some adult language and will most likely include adult content. So please keep that in mind if little ones are nearby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Parts Podcast. I am here with my co-hosts, Kim, Nikki, Louise, and Laura, to talk about body image, a topic I believe that affects most people. Lately, I've been stuck in the middle of two feelings. The first being, I'm proud of how hard I've worked to take care of myself physically, especially during the past year to year and a half. The second feeling is a frustration that even though I've worked really hard, I still don't always feel great in my body and I'm really hard on myself. I often look at myself in the mirror and I'm not kind. My eyes gaze towards what I see as, quote, flaws. I've seen a lot of people posting about, quote, body positivity lately. And many of them talk about loving your body no matter what. And that's hard for me because I've grown up with my inner voice telling me, you're not good enough. And I haven't actually been able to love my physical self. So I'm left feeling stuck between accepting myself and pushing myself to be better, whatever that means. So my question to my wonderful fellow coaches is... Does any of this sound familiar? Just a skosh. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Big lie. I mean, it's an obvious question. It's a leading question, right? But I just want to talk about our experiences with this and see where the conversation goes. But this is something I've dealt with my whole life. And lately with the seeing a lot of love yourself at any size, and we've read the body is not an apology. I'm trying to push myself to have a different relationship with my body image and myself. And I'm, it's hard. So when I was 10 or 11 years old, you know, that tween time when you're starting to develop, I was not a thin child, but I also was not a heavy child. My beloved grandfather, who our beloved so much that our daughter is named after him, came up to me at a family picnic when I was sticking a single potato chip in my mouth. And he said, you want to be careful of that. Otherwise you're going to end up like your grandma. Now my grandma, my step-grandmother was a very obese woman. And more than that, she was not a kind woman. And to me, I associated that putting the chip in my mouth with being a bad person. And thus began this very tumultuous relationship with my body. It's so sticky, right? I can trace back to that very first time. And funny enough, it was a grandparent. I was labeled the big lug. That was my quote unquote nickname in that family. That's who I was. And it it stuck because that's who I was. Like, and I just find it so interesting that stuff like that is so sticky. We get so identified. One person can say one thing 
And it, it's, it's that recording, right? And it's that programming and it's that story we end up telling ourselves over and over and over again. But Sarah, I'm curious around where's your frustration come from? Exactly. Do you feel exactly what that's all about? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like I'm trying to reprogram my thought process. And I remember it wasn't one singular in- incident. And I'm, you know, get, I'm not saying that Kim had one singular incident. I'm sure we've had plenty through our lives. But you know, my mother was severely overweight. And she kind of lived vicariously through me and would always ask me, what do you weigh? And just made it made it such a thing. And she would comment in, in certain ways. And, and she never called me fat, but I definitely felt like I wasn't good enough. Like I wasn't doing the right thing. And even though I was all in sports and everything. So I grew up feeling like there was a certain way my body was supposed to be, and I, I could never reach it. And now I'm to a point where I'm trying to retrain my brain to be proud of who I am and know that I have a certain body type. I'm never going to be super thin or whatever. I don't know, even know what words to use because I want to make sure I'm using the right words, (laughs) but like I'm, I'm, I have a certain body type. And according to those measurement things, I am clinically obese. And I think it's, that's silly. Like I think our our society is trying to change. And I think my frustration to answer, I'm I'm getting to the question. I knew you'd get there. (laughs) I eventually do. My frustration is trying to change with it and trying to break down the the voice of, oh my God, you've gained weight. Oh my God, your face looks plump. Oh my God, your butt's big. Instead of shifting to, I love my body and, and I haven't gotten there. And so then I see other people posting about it and I'm like, I don't understand. How do you, how do you love your body and still push yourself to want to continue to be healthy? I get that those were very painful for our coaches here, Louise and Kim and Sarah, I can, you know, your mom asking you, what do you weigh? What do you weigh? I can see that that would be horribly painful. But to me, those were as horrible as those are, if they had been to Louise's point about why they're sticky, if that had only been one time that had ever happened, and if you hadn't been getting messages from everywhere, including media and TV, unfortunately, it it pervades our society, this idea that thin equals healthy. We are left with so so much messaging and conditioning, and then those painful moments that both Louise, Kim, and you have like now recounted are it just, it adds so much weight, <laughs> it adds so much weight to the situation. <laughs> and it's hard to talk about because yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to step wrong, right? You don't want to be saying something that is going to find offenses. What you said, Sarah, harkens back. I don't even remember what episode it was, but one of my favorite quotes, you can be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. And to be able to say, I love myself and I want to do better are not contradictory, even though they feel like they are, or they can feel like they are. And to be able to work in a space of, I am not happy or proud of what I see when I look in a mirror. And to say, I fully and completely love and accept myself and I'm ready to do different. And I, I very intentionally chose different because I know there are people who would say, I want to do better. And, you know, maybe I have been doing the best I can. And even though I'm not 
proud of it. It's taken everything I have to just get out of bed and this is how I look. And so I want to do different. I want to change things. So one of the things I love from Sonia Renee Taylor is the idea of radical self-love, of moving beyond self-acceptance because self-acceptance feels kind of wah-wah. <laughs> like, I accept this is happening. It feels very like, it's not fun. Like, okay, well, I accept that my basement's flooding and so now we'll do something about it. <laughs> but to be in that space of radical self-love where you can look yourself in the eyes in a mirror and feel that deep heart connection is very different than looking in the mirror and saying, I guess this is how it is. Yeah. I think I had lived in that place of self-acceptance for a really long time. And now moving into that space of actively working on self-love and actively healing the relationship I have with my body, like I healed my relationship with money, like I healed my relationship with my parents, like I hit, right? All the relationships that I've worked on healing, now I'm working on that relationship with my body. And it, it's scary and raw and feels very real, but it is moving from that place of acceptance to love. And I'm curious how others might be working with that voice of judgment that comes up. Regardless of what we look like on the outside, it's our voice of judgment on the inside. Well, part of that is from choice and working with parts. I'm going to leave that to Lara to talk about some more. But knowing that we have, we get to make the decision to change because we love ourselves or change because we hate ourselves and how the energy of that engages us in what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you, but I know that voice that Kim mentioned and that, that the thing I hear in my head went that, that saying those unkind <laughs> things, I don't know how to Nobody say can it. can see actually. your fingers. <laughs> I know. Um, but that voice actually is, it. it's not my voice, right? It sounds like someone else. Probably sounds like a, an adult figure in your life, an authority figure in your life when you were a child, is my guess. My, for, for weight loss, mine sounds like friends from when I was younger. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like like Joey and Chandler? <laughs> <laughs> No, like people in my life who would give me notes other people had written that said, oh my gosh, I saw her walking up the stairs and her ass looked like it was like, yeah, like, yeah. So like intentionally passing on shame to me for people talking behind my back. Did you ever have friends try and dress you? Like, oh my God, you'd be so cute in this. And it's like not anything anybody else is wearing because they're trying to dress your body type. And it suddenly feels like everybody's looking at it and- judging it. And yeah, I had those friends. Those are great. I'm starting to be grateful. I didn't have any friends. Thanks <laughs> that, guys. I appreciate it. I then as an adult had a friend that when I was going through my divorce, we went to buy myself some new, you know, empowerment clothes. And I, I had never worn sleeveless clothes. And when I put on a sleeveless shirt, I really liked the way the shirt looked on me. But I was like, but my arms. And she goes, yeah, you have arms. We all have them. It's okay to show them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, what? And that, and now I wear sleepless tops all the time. Kim, though, that's your friend, not those childhood people. Yeah. Well, my, my inner voice, surprise, is my mom. And, you know, Kim asked, what do we, what do, we do with that? I've worked on, you know, my mom passed away a couple of years ago. So I've, I've had the opportunity to work through the voice because she, I, 
this sounds horrible, but she can't hurt me anymore with the words. It's just the passwords that that hurt. It's so the recording of the words that yeah, hurt. <laughs> absolutely. So I've just been spending a lot of time realizing that, you know, pushing myself to say I am good enough. And when you talk about radical self-love, I have that with all the other areas of my life. Like I'm, I love myself and I'm proud of myself. And just physically, I haven't gotten there. And I think part of it for me is, you know, I'm in athletics. I'm, I've been an athlete my whole life. And the workout culture, I think, has stunted me a little bit because I'm stuck between, you know, I'm a CrossFitter. I love working out. I love when I go to the gym and I'm sweating and it burns and it's amazing. And it, there's part of the workout cu culture that feels like, well, it's never going to be good enough. You got to just keep going, keep going. But there's something about the great workout where I like walk away feeling amazing. But there's like that, I feel like there's a little bit, not just a little bit, I'm just going to say it's quite obvious. There's like a fat phobia in workout culture. And I don't know what to do with that because I love to work out. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I judge other people for not doing that. But it feels like when you're excited about your workouts or you're excited about your weight loss, that you're offending other people who aren't there. As I've shared before, I was overweight from the time I was three years old. I tipped the scales at 300 pounds when I was 50. And I, my health was being impaired now by my weight. All of the numbers were going in the wrong direction. I had a lot of pain in moving. I couldn't do much of anything. And all of my joints hurt. And because like you said, this body acceptance, body positivity was becoming a real movement and had been for years. I just couldn't do it. So I'm just going to be really transparent here. I could not love my body at that weight. I just could not do it. And when, since I had been overweight my whole life, and I tried, by the way, I want to be really clear about that. I like followed some body positivity stuff. I tried and I just did not have the wherewithal at that time to do that. What's interesting is now that I've lost half of my body weight and have been at this body for over two years now, I find that I don't, this may be too, too much information, but hey, I'm pretty open about this. When you weigh 300 pounds for the bulk of your life for as an adult for quite a while, and I'm in my early 50s, when you lose half of your body weight, there is a lot of skin. And so I say that I look like, my butt looks like a Sharpay wrapped in crepe paper because there are so <laughs> oh many folds. That paints a picture. I know, right? Oh, and I, you know, I love Kim's comment about wearing, I wear shorts and, and there are folds and rivers of skin. I wear sleeveless tops and tank tops and there are fla the, the flapping, you guys can't, the my flapping niece, my niece calls angel, them angel wings. wings. Angel <laughs> wings, bat wings. I got them, baby. And so, I'm working harder now to actually accept this body, but I think you bring up a really good point is uh, something for me to consider and ponder is I couldn't accept it at 300 pounds, but at 150 pounds, I don't care how much CrossFit I did. I'm going to, or, or anything else, swimming, whatever. There's no way I could still ever look quote the perfect, right? So I, I'm having to do some of this radical, acceptance and you mentioned we read this book last year the body is not an apology and one of the things anytime this has come up this question of body positivity comes up or um, body acceptance i was always like yeah but you know what about your health what about your health 
Because what I often see is people that are chronically overweight, like I was, is that they get to a point age-wise, and then the body isn't able to maintain that weight without repercussions, which is what I had, you know, cholesterol, blood pressure, things just starting to go wrong. And on page 21 of this book, health is not a state we owe the world. We are not less valuable, worthy, or lovable because we are not healthy. Lastly, there is no standard of health that is achievable for all bodies. I almost fell out of my chair when I read that. And I know, Sarah, you and I actually ended up having a conversation about it because that's another ism, right? That you have to be able-bodied, that you have to be able to, you know, you should be as healthy as you can be. And it's like, who decides that? Yeah, that's the hard part is we've been told health looks a certain way, health feels a certain way. And it's, you know, now you're, we're in our forties and fifties here. And now you're trying to break all of those barriers down and say, it's, this is my body. I think that's what the hard part is, is the, the loving myself, no matter what is a hard thing for me. And yeah, but I love that phrase of, or that statement of who decides what health is, you know, it's our own personal health journey. And I think that's important to recognizes this is who I am. This is my body. This is how I'm going to move my body. This is how I'm going to fuel my body. And these are like Nikki said earlier, these are my choices. The mother of a tween girl going through this myself, but also putting into her mind and having put working to put into her mind since she was very little, that she is beautiful and perfect the way she is and that nobody gets to judge her based on how she decides to show up in the world and, you know, taking her to doctor's appointments and going to different things. And for Christ's sake, buy her fucking clothing. I mean, my 11 year old daughter is wearing adult size clothing that blows my mind. She's not a big kid, but the sizing is so skewed and messes with our minds that now she's starting to wrestle with that. Even though I've put so much into place to say, this doesn't matter. You know, in the midst of COVID, we're not going to stores to buy clothing. So I have to measure her and then look on charts to figure out what size to buy her. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's It's so arbitrary. It's so arbitrary. Yeah. It's the same with my, with my teenage son too. It's, it's not a, I, I think here as women and we talk from our own experience, but this is a universal thing that goes on with all of us i no one i believe is exempt from from these these feelings and these things that we hear this programming that we hear this will i see it it's a cassette that <laughs> has a the recording a cassette, a cassette. <laughs> i didn't say eight track so stay with me but that's that's what it is in in my head anyways i i, I really think that we're all kind of touching on a little bit of a point here that that we're dancing around a little bit and that's this idea of of how is I want to ask how is the body positivity movement the same or different than what we're talking about here because I, I get a feeling like so what I'm hearing a lot about is this idea of, of it's not about acceptance because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about love. We're talking about how it, Sarah, how it feels, how you love how it feels when you're done a workout. 
Like that's the love that I, I think we're talking about. How it feels like the love that we have for for like the feeling of love. And I'm curious if if body positivity, if you feel is that love or is that just acceptance? We're just accepting that we're not healthy. We're just accepting that that's how we look. Is it is it the same? Is it different? That's not where I went at all. I thought you were asking a more controversial question. I thought you were asking, is body positivity doing the exact same thing that body shaming is? Are you well, gonna make it? me are you gonna make me feel bad that I can't accept my body? Because now that's just one more ism that I should be doing that I'm not, that it's hard for me to I couldn't accept, I could not be happy in that three hundred pound body. And that made me feel bad about myself because now it's just one more thing I can't do, right? Right? right. So that's where I thought you were headed was like, is this just one more shaming thing? It's so interesting, Laura, because I feel like as it's turned into a bigger movement, that's true. So several years ago when I was part of a body positivity ambassador program, right? So we were trying to build the movement in a sense. It really came from move beyond acceptance into love, right? And it came about you get to make those personal choices for yourself. It's not about anybody else saying, um, giving you any guidance on like, this is what you should look like or how you should act or how you should feel. It was really giving you back the power of how do I love myself? And if that meant lose weight, that meant lose weight. If that meant stay where you are, that meant stay where you are. If that meant something in between, that means something in between. And that, and it was all okay. I think as the movement has grown, what I've seen and what I've pulled away from is there is, there is shaming, right? It's, it's, it's whenever anything goes into kind of that orthodoxy, right? That, that mm -hmm. extremist movement, of this is how it has to be. And we get, right, we get these extreme hard edges. Anytime we move into that, regardless of what that ism is that we're going into, I feel like we move into a place where people can shame and judge you. And that's where I think the danger is. Like, I don't think the, you know, way back in the day, I don't think the diet industry of what it has become now started out to harm people. I think it really was born from, look, we want you to care for yourself. And this is a way we think is going to be healthy for your body. What we've lost sight of is that we're actually in choice. And as human beings, we give up our choice a whole lot in our lives. And I think that's the crux of all of this for me is I don't want to give up my choice anymore. I want to decide for myself and I want to help our daughter decide for herself what is right for us. Well, I think part of the harm is universality. Oh, you have to do keto. It worked great for me. It will work great for everyone. You have to be a vegan. It worked great for me. It work. It will be great for everyone. You have to do it this way because this is the only way that is going to work for everyone. And that goes for movement. That goes for, you know, for CrossFit, you know, that the CrossFit's the best. It's great for everyone. Body positivity is amazing. It's great for everyone. And yeah. that universality fully negates <laughs> our experience as individual humans in individual bodies. My body can react different to caffeine than someone else. I have a very high caffeine sensitivity. And so if I have a little bit, it throws me through the roof. If I have too much, it affects my heart. And there are people who can drink 20 cups of coffee a day because it gets them through their day. 
<laughs> we have a lot of hands raised. Oh, nobody can I'm see. with you, Nikki. I can't like the tiniest bit, and I'm a I'm a weirdo. Well, yeah, anyway, whatever. But that's that's because our bodies are unique, and yes. they're they process things in different ways. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to process meat. So being a vegetarian or vegan works really well. So it's I I. I I think what I'm hearing too is this, it's really the advertising industry that's taken everything. Because as you're talking about diet industry, it's like, take your pick, right? I don't know about you, but I am solicited several dozen times a day to buy something because it's the best thing for me. It's the only thing for you. It's, it's the, the only, only thing, thing for me, right? Because it's the only solution to my problem. And it it's, it, it's, it's spread everywhere. Well, and it pulls on those, like that voice, right? When yes. we started talking about it, totally pulls on that voice. And the FOMO. I have so many things in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, a lot about, you know, you were talking about body pause or acceptance versus love. And something went through my head, which I don't know if it makes sense. So I'm just going to put it out into the world and see if it makes sense. I almost feel like I have body acceptance, but not body love. Like I kind of accept that this is my physical self. I'm, I'm strong. I'm very proud of how many weight, how much weight I can pick up and put down. I've worked really hard in the gym. There's a, there's a love for working out. There's not a love for what my body looks like. But it's like, I've accepted that this is my body. And so like, I'm so close. <laughs> I'm so close. Congratulations. Anyone? Yeah. I, Congratulations. I feel like that's you found awesome. a new level. Like you found body pride. Oh, pride. That's good in the gay community. I'm going to use that. For <laughs> right. <body community. laughs> it's, but it's like you, right. You had that body acceptance, but now you're moving into that body pride, which feels like it's on its way to body love. Yeah. yeah. I felt the same way after, you know, carrying a baby. I was like, look what I did. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit of what I've experienced is wanting to keep always going. Well, I am very fortunate to be able-bodied. And this is something I've, I watched my mom become to the point she couldn't even barely get up to go to the bathroom herself because she had never taken care of herself through the way she fueled her body to the way she was very stagnant and, you know, there was serious depression there. So, you know, some of that, obviously that went into it, but while I'm able-bodied, I want to be able to experience the things that I can. And, you know, I, I want to be able to do that hike where you can only see part of the Golden Gate Bridge because you hiked all the way to the top of that mountain. There's no way to get there in a vehicle. And that's kind of where I am is that I'm proud of that. I'm proud of how hard I've worked. I'm proud that nutrition has always been important to me. And I think the hard part is now switching to, okay, I, I look in the mirror and I love that. I haven't gotten there yet and I'm close. I'm curious, how would your life change if it looked perfect or whatever your idea of perfect is? How would my life look different? How would your if life change perfect? if you, this happens in, so again, I'm one of those people that's in the diet culture, right? I lost the weight. I'm still in this program. I do the things that allow me to stay at this weight, but you know, I lost half of my body weight, but I'm five, five. So I am technically not obese by those goofy charts, but I wish I could lose another 10 or 15 pounds. But the question that came up in that group is how would your life change, Lara, if you lost another 10 pounds, how would your life change? Would it's you so be able to, I had you... an instant response. Okay. What was your, I would stop thinking about it. 
I can't, let me tell you the truth on that. The truth is that has all of that, all of those negative thoughts about my body have gone away. All of that food chatter has gone away and my life actually has changed. But I would ask you, Sarah, if you lost 10 pounds, but that was me losing 150. If I lost 10 pounds from here, that's, my life is not going to change. What I can well, do and is not going to change. Your mental state didn't instantly change. Either. No, it was It's been over, as you've lost the weight, your brain has been able to transform. Too. And I think, I've had to do a lots of inner work too. Yeah. I think sometimes we think, oh, we lose the weight. And so I'm going to stop all the thinking. How about body dysmorphia? Have you guys ever had that? Where as I was losing weight, my brain could not keep up with the fact that I didn't look the same. And I would catch myself in a mirror and I didn't recognize who that person was. And that is a strange, that's a strange phenomena. I have it the opposite way. I have a picture of myself in my brain. And when I see a picture of myself, it's not at all who I see. I don't at all look like what my, and it's not an idealized picture, right? It's, mm -hmm. this is not like, you know, I don't know. I can't, I, like Cheryl Teagues came to mind. What the hell is wrong with my brain? <laughs> I haven't heard that name in a very long time. I, I was like, where did that come from? I was like six. Um, but yeah, I don't have this idealized picture of myself. And yet the picture of myself does not at all resonate with what I see in a actual picture or in a mirror. And that has existed my whole life. Yeah, I've had I've had instances where I can't pick myself out of a picture mm -hmm. that I don't know who I am in that yeah. photograph, but I know that I was there. High five. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, it's weird. How can you not know what you look like when you look at yourself every single day? But do you? But, but yeah, I was just going to say. Sure you do. <laughs> sure you do. But you, you maybe look at pieces, but do you look at your whole self? No, I haven't owned a full, I mean, I do now, but there, I probably went through 15 years of my life that I didn't own a full length mirror. So I only saw myself from chest up. Oh, I only bought one after I lost the weight. There's no way in hell I was going to have a full length mirror in my house when you weigh 300 pounds. That's not happening. You can forget it. I know sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, hair, or, you know, I send a Marco Polo and instantly I'm like, why is my hair so weird? Or, oh, I have something on my face, but to stop and take in the whole picture, I don't do that very often. So does that play into our our story? What does what play into our story? The when fact we're not, that we don't see ourselves? Yeah. Oh, sure. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think it absolutely does. Anytime, I mean, I was in a Reiki session years ago and she moved her hands over my legs and it was the first time I'd felt my legs in years. Like I... I disassociated from the lower part of my body. And so ab absolutely, because that's where my biggest challenge is with myself. I mean, you know, all of me can be challenging, but my biggest challenge is from my waist down and has always been. And so I finally just stopped associating with that as even being part of my body. And it helped when I only had a mirror from the waist up. I think that why this has come to the forefront for me so much lately is the world of Zoom. I'm looking at my face more. I'm looking at myself more. I'm looking at all of it. And so, you know, you, you try to get the camera. So it's like, you know, like the Kardashians from the top, like way above you, you look 
thinner, quote, thinner. And if you go from way below, you've got like, you know, that horrible view, in my opinion. I did not know that. Thank you. I am going (laughs) to mount my computer. Look how sexy I look now. Nobody can see all the camera play that's happening right now. (laughs) I should take a picture of that. But that's something that's come forward for me is like, I'm looking at myself more. Like I'm hearing my voice more. I'm seeing how, what I actually look like. It used to just be like whenever I'd stop and actually look in a mirror. So I think that's what's played into it for me is I'm seeing myself more. So I'm judging myself more. That's what's been really difficult for me lately. I absolutely think it's it's looking at yourself. And we don't, like Nikki said, we don't often look at our whole selves. And when, I think once we can start doing that on a regular basis, we actually get reattached to those, those pieces of us that, that are, that are, I don't know, are we falling apart? Are we falling apart? Where did that thought go? I don't know, but it turned into a song in my head. (laughs) (laughs) It was very melodic when you said it, right? Yeah. So I attended this, this workshop about a year ago. So it was just before all of whatever is going on in the world right now. And I saw this woman speak. Her name's Terry Hofford, and she's a photographer here in Winnipeg. And she did a, a beautiful workshop on self-love and how we see ourselves. And one of the activities she had us do is to get used to being in front of a camera to get used to being more comfortable with who you are and what you look like was to take a picture of yourself with your phone but you hold your phone at like chest level and you look down (laughs) and you take a picture (laughs) of yourself in all your beautiful glory and you put it on as your wallpaper or your home page or whatever it is on your phone so that you know we pick up our phone more than 200 times a day to check it you're looking at yourself as other people see you. So the opposite of how we see ourselves because we see ourselves as a reflection in mirrors. And to see yourself that way 200 times a day to get used to the fact that that is how people, that's how others see you. And you actually just get more comfortable with how you look. I like that because it's not based on taking 400 photos and t- picking the best one. That's right. Because we do that with yeah, cameras, totally. with our digital uh, photography now. How many times do you take a selfie and go, oh, yeah, that's the one I want to right? Take it once. Be done with it. That's the moment you're trying to capture, not your quote unquote, perfect self. Yeah. I will say, however, one of the things that, again, you know, when I came out of my divorce, one of the gifts that I gave to myself was a boudoir photography session. And I was freaking hot. Like I, and I was not at, you know, my fighting weight or whatever that term you want to use. Mm-hmm. But that made me feel really, it was like, I can be sexy. I can, like, I can desire myself. That's a whole nother episode about talking about the body, right? It's like, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Every weight's a fighting weight if it's a zombie apocalypse. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Which we were pretty darn close to. So we should just freaking get over it and love ourselves already. (laughs) We're at our fighting weight right now, everyone. (laughs) So Sarah, circling back to how we started this episode, what are your thoughts on on everything that's going on with how you feel about your body, your body love, your body acceptance? Body pride. 
body pride. I think I had a moment where I'm like, okay, I feel I've gotten to a place of acceptance and, and moving towards love is important. And I think what I've always kind of known is there is no end line. And that's what's always been difficult for me is there's no end line in your health. It's just, you just keep going. And so when Nikki says you're a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time, like rationally, it makes sense. Emotionally is where I need to work on that is like, be proud of yourself, accept and love yourself how you are. And it's okay to keep moving forward and to continue to want to do that. And that's where the, the rub is for me is you don't just go to the gym once, at least for my life, what I do, you don't just eat a salad once you eat it. I eat a salad every day, or I try to, I try to go to the gym four or five days a week because it's part of my lifestyle and part of my health. And it's just part of the journey of health. That sounded cheesy, but it made sense to me. So that's where I'm at is I just, I want to be able to look in the mirror and love myself physically the way I love myself in all the other ways. And on that note, we want to thank you for being here until next time. We see you. We love you. And remember all the parts are the best parts. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the best parts podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it. If you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it. After all, sharing is caring and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at the best parts podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts.